0: we're back with jordan maxwell and this is a very exciting show we have today because we're going to be discussing ancient egypt and what we want to do with these videos is we want to discuss these topics that jordan has told me about privately because he's been in the company of all sorts of extraordinary people around the world and his travels and his studies and he's told me a lot of things that he's never discussed publicly I also want to mention that coming up, we have the Ancient Mysteries Tour of Egypt from March 26th through April 8th with myself and Egyptologist Muhammad Ibrahim. This is gonna be the esoteric adventure of a lifetime, folks. You don't wanna miss this. We still have room on our tour. If you wanna sign up and you wanna reserve your place, go to ancientmysterytours.com. We're gonna be revealing all sorts of esoteric knowledge. We're gonna be looking at evidence for advanced machining, lost ancient technology. You're gonna learn how to read hieroglyphics. We are gonna have very exclusive access to go to places where other groups simply can't go. And you know, Jordan, you've been to Egypt multiple times yourself. I know you're gonna have a very special message for our group, you know, and you've also lectured on these subjects. You've written about them. So what can you tell our viewers today about the symbolism of ancient Egypt. Let me just
1: start in one corner and work out because there's so much to say about Egypt. One thing is that if you're from a European or North American Western civilization, Australia, England, you know, New Zealand, America, Canada, etc., and you go to Egypt, it's an assault on your senses. Yeah, yeah, it is. It will will shock you, the difference between America and Egypt. Because while you're there, many, many people will tell you, tour guides and, and people that you come across, they will tell you that they themselves are from a pharaoh. They are from a pharaonic bloodline. They, they tell you we're from the Pharaoh. We were, you know, we're, he was part of our ancestors. And in point of fact, <laughs> I tell them, no, the Pharaohs were Egyptians. You are Arabs. It's like it's a night and day difference. You're not Egyptians. You are Arabs who live in a country called Egypt, and that's not even the name of the country. The name of the country was totally different. It's Kemi. Uh, which gives us our word chemical or al- alchemy. Chemi is the name of a country, and the Greeks went into Chemi during Alexander the Great's time, and they called that that Chemi. They called it Egypt. Egypt was a Greek word for the country called Chemi, which gives us our word chemical, alchemical. So a lot of people don't know that. It's not really Egypt. It's called Kemi. And the pyramid, I asked the people how many sides are there of the great pyramid? Incidentally, that pyramid that sits directly behind the Sphinx is not the great pyramid. It is a great pyramid, but not the Great Pyramid. The Great Pyramid is just to the side of it. It's the first one in the line. The first one in the line is the Great Pyramid. The next one in the middle, larger in the middle, sits behind the Sphinx. It is not the Great Pyramid. There's nothing great about it. The first pyramid is where all of the profoundness of pyramids is locked into that first pyramid. And I went into the second one. You can go inside the second one, but it's too small and you don't see very much in there. You go into the first one. That's the great pyramid of Giza. That one is astonishing. I was, I went into the great pyramid three times on three separate occasions. Uh, I was actually blessed in the king's chamber by Hakim, uh, a Kemite priest, a very wonderful, wonderful dear friend. He was an older man, a Kemite priest named Hakim, and Hakim and I got along great. I really loved him. He was a wonderful guy, and uh, he he was a wonderful teacher. And uh, I asked him if he knew the blessing the blessing ritual that the uh the king's chamber that was done in the king's chamber and he said yes and i said would you do that on me and 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 he did he said yes i'll do it on you so i stepped inside the the king's sarcophagus and laid down he had me cross the hands and close your eyes and then he went into like a trance and began praying and uh, it was a whole thing he did a whole ritual prayer and so then when i got up uh i have been blessed in the king's chamber laying in the the king's sarcophagus i i didn't really feel anything there at that time i didn't feel anything different but there must be some sort of a reaction i have gotten from that obviously i you know you don't do something like being blessed in the King's Chamber of the Great Pyramid by a Chemite priest without it meaning something to your life. I don't know what it meant, but it was a wonderful experience and I really appreciated my dear friend, Hakim doing that for me. But my question would be for most people who know about the pyramids of, of Egypt <clears throat> and the Great Pyramid of Egypt, how many sides does the Great Pyramid of Egypt have? <clears throat> That's a very important and interesting question. How many sides does the Great Pyramid have? Obviously, you would think five sides. One on each side of the tri- uh, one on each side of the pyramid makes four sides, and of course the bottom is a side. So the five fifth one is on the bottom, and the four sides of the pyramid. So it would be five-sided pyramid. In point of fact, it is not. It is a nine-sided pyramid. It has nine sides. Most people don't know that. Even the people who live there don't realize that. I've I've asked them, and they didn't know. But on the first day of summer, or spring, the first day of spring and and autumn, on the autumn equinox or or the spring equinox, the sun hits the the pyramid at a certain degree, hits it at a particular degree where it shines a light across the face of the pyramid on both sides. And you will see if you go on the web and type in eight or nine sided pyramid, you will see that each side of the pyramid is indented in the middle perfectly. Perfectly. All the way from the top down, straight down, no no jagged, straight down, the the side of each side of the pyramid is 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 indented. So that there's actually one two sides on each side. So two times four is eight plus the bottom makes nine. So the pyramid is nine sides. You would not know that unless somebody told you and you could go on the web and just type it in and say eight sided pyramid or nine sided pyramid. And it will show you pictures taken from the air on the first day of spring and autumn when they photograph down and you can see that the each side of the pyramid is divided into two sides. And it looks like one side. No, it's two sides. Wait till the sun hits it just right. It's so subtle you'd never see it. But it's there. So we now know that the side, uh, that the Great Pyramid of Egypt has nine sides. <clears throat> this, core, uh, this is, <clears throat> this connects uh, in my mind because I am used to pattern recognition. That on the American dollar, the Egyptian symbol of the pyramid on the American dollar, you will see the eagle with, his ta- with, with the spread eagle, and you will see that the eagle has nine tail feathers. It is said that the Knights Templars, the very famous group of mystics during the Middle Ages, the early Middle Ages, called the Knights Templars, of which indiana jones and the last crusade and indiana jones and the raiders of the lost ark always features the knights templars in those movies the knights templars was said to have been founded by nine men nine masons who came together and so you say wait a minute why nine nine men and then there's nine tail feathers on the eagle and there's nine sides to the pyramid. Uh, many, many things are done, many uh, important mysteries are divided by nine. Nine is a very important number in the mystical world of numerology, nine. I mean, three is a number for God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva, Osiris, Isis, Horus, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, always god is in three divine names three divine persons and so but three times three is said to be a demonic number nine three times three is nine so why is it that the pyramid has nine sides and the eagle on the dollar bill has nine feathers and the knights templars were founded by nine knights nine men That story about the uh, Knights Templars being founded by nine men is not true. It's just a story. It's just a cover story. It has no no basis in truth because nine men did not found the Knights Templars because it says the nine men got together after the crusade and they wanted to protect all the pilgrims who could now go to the Middle East. They could go to Jerusalem because the Islamic people were were ran out of Jerusalem. So now Christians in, in Europe can now go to Jerusalem, but it was very dangerous to travel across you know, all that territory. There were robbers out there. And so it was very dangerous for Christians to go to Jerusalem. <clears throat> and so the nine men got together to protect, the story is that the nine men got to protect uh all the pilgrims any pilgrims that were going to uh the middle east to go to jerusalem will be protected by the nine men they were called the nine knights of the masonic order of knights templars and so <clears throat> obviously on the face of it nine men are not going to protect anybody going from europe to to jerusalem that's too far of a distance distance that might be good to protect you if you're going one block but if you're going from jerusalem from rome that's a long ways there's a lot of criminals out there between rome and jerusalem and nine men are not going to protect all the pilgrims going to jerusalem so that's just a story nine is a very important number in masonic mythology <clears throat> numerology and occult religion so i just think it's interesting that the eagle has nine feathers on the dollar bill nine tail feathers tail feathers are able to direct the flow of the of the air for the bird so he can decide where he wants to go by the tail feathers well that's true because according to the masonic dictionaries there are nine masters of freemasonry it was called the council of nine the council of nine with the knights templars guided the destiny of the knights templars the nine men who guided the the uh, the work of the knights templars or the masonic order well that makes sense because if the eagle represents the sun and the sun was a symbol for freemasonry in a masonic order and the sun did not belong to you, it belongs to God, so it's God's son. and he was the light of the world, and he was our risen savior. And all of this has to do with Christianity and the Knights Templars. But boiling it all down, at the end of the day, the Great Pyramid of Giza has nine sides. How many people knew that?
0: And you know, when you were talking about your friend, uh, Abdel Hakim Aywan. You know, obviously, Stephen Mailer comes to mind, and he wrote in his incredible book, The Land of Osiris, uh, right. about the teachings of Hakim, which were amazing that you were in Egypt with Stephen Mailer as well. Yep,
1: you I know, sure was. I was there with him.
0: It's, yeah, it's absolutely fascinating. You told me something that when we were in private uh, over a, a conversation there, you told me another secret about the american one dollar bill and its connection to the great pyramid you mentioned that there was a connection to stonehenge would you be able to elaborate yeah. on that? stonehenge
1: was most likely built by the same people who built the pyramid according to the best researchers today and the best authorities on the subject i have sat and talked with them and and i have I have learned that from these experts that Stonehenge uses the same numerical system of division and same numerical system as the Great Pyramid. That's interesting. That Stonehenge matches the Great Pyramid of Egypt in numbers in the in measurements. And so, Stonehenge, the Great Circle that was worship that was leading the the symbol for sun worship in Europe, Stonehenge is a sun symbol. It's a round symbol of the sun. And it's called Stonehenge, and it was a way to keep track of the sun as it moves across the sky in the ancient and prehistoric world. But the Stonehenge builders were probably the same builders who built the Great Pyramid, not all the pyramids, but the Great Pyramid because it uses the same mathematical equations in the Great Pyramid that was used in Stonehenge. So they match exactly. So most likely the Stonehenge is connected to the Great Pyramid of Egypt. And this is why on the American dollar bill, you will see on the left-hand side of the American $1 bill, you will see the pyramid, the Great Pyramid of Giza, and it's inside of a circle you see it inside the circle and the circle has got little rays around the circle a little bit of uh little rays emanating from around the circle the those little rays that uh, that are around the circle are the sun rays off the sun so therefore the round circle and the dollar bell is the symbol for the sun And inside the round rays of the sun, which is Stonehenge, the round circle of the worship of the sun, is a pyramid on the dollar bill. So now you have a triangle within a circle. Go on the web to image and type in circle and triangle symbol. And you will see all over the world, big corporations, big companies, little companies, military, educational, governmental systems, law enforcement, all over the world that is a symbol of power for all kinds of human institutions in every country of the world. A triangle within a circle or a circle within the triangle. Triangles it's in a circle is everywhere, corporations use it, medical establishments use it, doctors, military, educational, law enforcement, all over the world you will find the symbols for these institutions and businesses and corporations to be a triangle within a circle and that's precisely what you have on the dollar bill. The pyramid on the back of the dollar bill is a triangle is inside a circle so the triangle and the circle are are always locked together and it's a very interesting point the thing i told you about is that in north america and canada especially in north america <clears throat> in the u.s all public buildings like restaurants and hotels etc any public buildings you go into, the men's room will always be a triangle and a women's room will always be a circle. So when you go in a restaurant or go into a hotel or whatever, you go into the men's room or go to the women's room, the women's room has a circle on the door and the men's room has a triangle on the door. Why? Because the woman represents symbolically on the earth, the woman represents the circle of life. Without, that, without her having new life, bearing new life, there would be no more life on the earth. So without the woman, there is no circle of life. It just continues to go. As long as a woman is giving birth, it will continue to go. If she stops giving birth, there ain't gonna be no human race. So the circle represents the circle of life provided by the woman and there and then on the men's room you will see a triangle which represents the pyramid the word pyramid is p-y-r-a pyra mid mid means middle pyra means fire like pyromaniac pyrotex has to do with fire pyra p-y-r-a pyramid means fire in the middle pyramid. mid and the pyramid or the pyramid was on the male dressing room it's a triangle because it represents a pyramid because pyramid means fire in the middle and the fire of sexual generation in the middle of the man is in the middle it's it's halfway between you know between him standing up and, and the crown of the head and the sole of the feet the sexual fire is in the middle of the human body. So that's why you have a triangle representing the male restroom, because it's the fire in the middle.
0: What can you tell us about other important Egyptian symbology? And and perhaps there's things that we use every day that we don't even realize.
1: Yeah, there is so much to talk about with with Egypt. Uh, Our whole religion of what we call Christianity borrows heavily from Egypt. The Egyptians gave us the basic concepts of what we call today Christianity. And uh, the very idea of a of a uh, Messiah, which is very big in Judaism, the, the whole concept of Messiah in Judaism, that was one thing that represents Judaism to the world is the idea that it teaches there will be a messiah who will come to save the world, a messiah. Well, the very idea of a messiah, and of course, in Christianity, Jesus is referred to as the messiah. But the messiah is a concept which comes out of Egypt. If you go back to the encyclopedias and the big dictionaries, the big Reference books on Christianity and religion, it will tell you the idea of a messiah is an Egyptian idea. And it wasn't even original with Egypt. <clears throat> Egypt got it from somewhere else. And we got it, Christians got it from Egypt. And so today, the Christian idea of messiah as an Egyptian idea it has nothing to do with judaism whatsoever and it's egyptian concept an egyptian idea but egypt got it from india so ultimately the idea of a messiah one who comes back to save mankind who dies who dies and comes back and uh, to save mankind is a hindu story it goes back to the hindu india <clears throat> and since all three religions both christianity judaism and islam all three claim to have the same beginnings they all three say that they are they came from abraham all three major religions will tell you they are an abrahamic religion abraham was the great father god directed abraham to found the three great religions of the world they are all three called abrahamic religions well we factually know today that there was no abraham abraham never existed it's just a story that's why the bible is called the greatest story ever told it's not the greatest collection of historical facts ever assembled the greatest story ever told it's just a story it's a symbolic metaphor telling you something but if you're arrogant and self-centered and egotistical and you think you know the whole truth, then you don't understand the story. <clears throat> it's only if you understand spiritual terms and have spiritual eyes to see what's actually being said. And so we find that there was no Abraham, Isaac, or Jacob. In India, you have Abram. They they were called... The Brahman. The, the, the Brahman, exactly. The Brahmin priesthood in India, they say, the Brahmins in India today still say that this particular priesthood called the Brahmins
0: <coughs>
1: are God's chosen people. <coughs> in India, the Brahmins are known as the great priesthood of the Almighty God. If you put an A in front of Brahmin, it becomes a Brahmin, a well, if you we go back to Genesis, you will find that Abraham was not born Abraham. His name was Abram, and God decided to change his name to Abraham. And so, his Abraham's original name was Abram. A B R A M. Abram. It goes back to the Ram God of of, in, of uh, Egypt. The Ram represented Aries, the Ram <clears throat> in the sun. The sun was in the age of Aries the Ram, so A Ram will becomes Aram, 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 and then you become if you bring it, put a B in front of it, it becomes Abram, Abram, and therefore you get Abraham. So Abraham was a mythical character that was based on the Brahmins of India. And according to the history of the Brahmin religion, even today it will tell you that the Brahmin religion, the Brahmin priests were God's chosen people, where we heard that before, and that the Brahmins had a a goddess. All the different religions of the world all have goddesses also with their religion. And the Brahmin religion in India had a goddess connected to their, their cult. The Brahmins had a a goddess called Saraswazi. Saraswazi was a goddess of in India, and she represented the flow of life. And so there was a river in India called the Saraswazi River, and it was a holy and sacred river like River Jordan, the Jordan River in Israel, very holy, and the Mississippi River in America, very holy all the big countries and all the great religions have a, a great river and the re- river represents the water that flows with life so that's what happens when you were born your mother's water broken you came out as a maritime amputate product so you have the brahmins who gave who have a wife or a, or a female goddess connected to the brahmin religion called sarah Swazi. So when you take Brahman, put an A in front of it, cause Abrahman or Abraham, you have Abraham and Sarah. No, Abrahman and Sarah Swazi comes from India. And the Egyptians picked up the religion of Abrahman and Sarah Swazi, and they have Osiris, Isis, Horus, the three, the three names of the gods of Egypt, Isis, Osiris, Horus. And then, of course, in Christianity, you have uh, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, always three, three-headed God. And in Judaism, you have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, three-headed God. So triune, triune gods are connected to all the ancient religions of the world.
0: That's an incredible connection. And, you know, in your book, Matrix of Power, that came out so many years now that's out on uh, Booktree Publishing with Paul Tice, <laughs> You mentioned all sorts of esoteric etymology. You said that there was a connection between Amen and Amun-Ra. You said that Israel comes from Isis, Ra, and El, but you made a very interesting connection between Horus and Horizon. Could you tell us about that?
1: Yeah. Horus was the name of the sun when it first comes up in the morning. When it first comes up in the morning, he was called Horus, the newborn baby. He was a baby, he's just newborn. And then he moved across the sky in 12 steps. This is why alcoholics have a 12-step program. A lot of different uh, institutions have what we call a 12-step program. You have a 12-step program when you go to school, you start in the first grade and you go to the 12th grade. That's a 12-step program. And so, in the 12-step program, the ancient Egyptians said, Horus, when he comes up in the morning, he comes up, he's born. He's born again. Every morning, Horus is born again. He, he comes up, and he walks across the sky in 12 steps. So, they said the Horus came up, and his, he was Horus of the first step, a little while longer, and, and then he moves up higher, Horus of the second step. Later on, a little bit longer, Horus of the third step, and Horus of the fourth, and Horus of the fifth. And when he hits Horus of the sixth step, the sixth step, he's now referred to, Horus is referred to as the most high God. Because it doesn't get any higher than 12 noon. It's called high noon. So Horus is now the most high God because it don't get any higher than 12 noon and now from 12 noon Horace is going to take more steps Horus of the 13th step Horus of the 14th step Horus of the last one as Horus of the of the 12th step program he dies he dies and has left the earth he's gone down and so but the problem is when Horace dies on the on the in the west when Horace dies and is gone Horace lit the world he was the light of the world but now he's gone and he's left the whole world in darkness. He's left the world in the hands of the prince of darkness, the devil. And so that's where we get the idea of the war between God's son, the light of the world, and the devil, which is the prince of darkness. And so Horus comes up in the morning. We say it's the risen sun. And that's what we get our word, Horus, rising of the, where is Horace Rice? On the horizon. And so Horace walks across the step, across the sky in 12 steps. We spell Horace, H-O-R-U-S, Horace. No, we say today, we change it around and make it H-O, not H-O-R-U-S, H-O-U-R-S. We change the R and the U to U and the R and make it h-o-r-u-s becomes 12 hours h-o-u-r-s not h-o-r-u-s so 12 horses at 12 hours and he walks across the sky in 12 steps well the sun represents light intellectual and spiritual enlightenment the truth If you can't tell the truth by something at midday, then you can't tell the truth at all. You can't see anything. (laughs) If you can't see clearly whatever it is you're looking at, at 12 noon when the sun is directly overhead, then you really are in the dark, spiritually and mentally speaking. And so that's why we say that when we understand something for the first time, we say, oh, it just dawned on me what he was talking about. What do you mean just dawned on you? It means that the sun of intelligence and wisdom and light has just dawned on you in your head. And now you understand something you didn't understand. Why? Because you were in the dark. You didn't know anything. You were in the dark where somebody explained it to you and said, oh, I just it just dawned on me what he was talking about. So the sun represents spiritual and intellectual light that walks across the sky in 12 steps. And then it dies and leaves the whole world in the hands of the prince of darkness. the evil one the devil the boogeyman comes out to get you and so that's why in the ancient world when the sun left the world it was very frightening because that's when the animals come out the predator animals come out looking for something to eat and if you haven't gotten yourself inside of a uh, of a living quarters that protects you from the animals it's gonna be very scary out there at night it gets cold at night and the animals are out and thank God, 12 hours later, the sun comes back up again. Now the animals go back into their shelters and man could come out and grow food and he can live. But you better have a home to go into when the sun goes down because it's going to get real cold and there's predator animals out there. So that's why, you know, People were always afraid to go out at night and children are afraid of the dark because it, it represents something evil. And so I've always said, I heard one, one person say, and I think it was Plato, Plato, the great philosopher said, I can understand children being afraid of the, of the dark. What I can't understand is adults being afraid of the light. Adults are afraid to, to look at something in the light and see what it really is. Children just are afraid of the dark. They see things in the light. <laughs> if you can't tell what something is in the light, then you're really, you're really bad off. The sun was represented truth in the light. <clears throat> and he was put to death by the God. He put to death in the, in the evening by the prince of darkness, the devil. <clears throat> because nighttime was evil, you put a D in front of the word evil, becomes devil. And so the devil was evil. And you take an O out of good, becomes God. God is good, and devil is evil. Just words. Egyptian god of darkness was called Set, S-E-T, because they noticed it got dark at sunset, S-E-T. Set was an Egyptian god of darkness. They even have a temple of Set today, which is a demonic temple that people go and worship the demons and, this, and the temple of Set. And uh, if you wanted to put this whole story of the life of the sun revolving around the earth and all that, if you wanna put this story into a metaphor story for children to understand, you would call the sun Light. And the light walks across the sky in 12 steps and meets the prince of darkness and then he dies and leaves the whole world in the power of the prince of darkness. Evil. And put a D in front, of it and becomes devil. Now, <clears throat> when the sun walks across the sky in 12 steps, the sun represents light. So if you want to tell a child a little story that they will remember, you make the sun into an actual person. You call the sun the light of the world, and you call the light, in Latin, light is Lucius. So, therefore, if you want to make a a, a a story of a man who brings light into the world, his name would be Lucius. Well, in English, we call it Luke. Luke means light, Lux. Lux and Luke means light. So, therefore, Steven Spielberg and George Lucas makes these movies about uh star wars luke skywalker luke skywalker is the light walking across the sky and he meets the dark vader the prince of darkness it's all mythology luke skywalker represents the sun walking across the sky in 12 steps and he comes face to face with his ultimate enemy darth vader who's wearing a black robe and a black helmet he will speak through a black triangle it's all very interesting stuff that Hollywood's telling you.
0: It's absolutely incredible, Jordan. And you know, we're going to have to do more of these videos and follow up on uh, more of these topics because we didn't even get to the Ark of the Covenant I was going to ask you about, which I do want to talk to you about next time. But okay. uh, I also, uh, I want to ask you uh, to share all the information with our viewers here on how they can find this incredible information on the Jordan Maxwell Research Society. And I also want to say to everybody, you know, if you are interested, you can join us on the Ancient Mysteries Tour of Egypt, March 26th to April 8th. And of course, you have to stay tuned for more great things coming up from Jordan Maxwell on the Jordan Maxwell Show. Jordan, can you tell everybody how they can find your website and all the incredible work you're doing? My
1: website. My website is very simply three words com. that's my website anything else is not my website jordan maxwell show is me so go on the web to jordan maxwell show and you'll see my website and on my website i have another website that you can join and you will see it when you go to jordan maxwell show you'll see another one and it says jordan maxwell research society that's another website that I have on my Jordan Maxwell show. And it's a research website in which I am uploading all of my work over the years, all the symbols, words, terms, secret societies, governments, banking, all the historical stuff that people have never heard of before, all the lies and deception. And the mythologies of the world is all there on my Jordan Maxwell research website. So go to Jordan Maxwell's show and click on the Jordan Maxwell research and join.